Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast. It's our hope that the next few moments lead you closer to Jesus, encourage you to grow, and equip you to exist for those not yet here. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that we can bring you fresh content every week as you continue in your walk with Christ. Good to be with you. Happy Easter weekend, Saturday, Saturday. And so uh, I told you guys, if you were here last night, maybe you didn't get to join us. You want to go back and catch up. I said, we're going to do a three-day Easter weekend. You guys know that. We're going to start on Friday, go to Saturday, end on on Sunday. Uh, And we're going to follow the story of Jesus. I think the greatest weekend that this world has ever known, the the most historical weekend, we're going to follow it together. I, I found it difficult in my life to capture the story of Easter in a 30 to 40 to 55 minute sermon every year. There's a lot of details that I wish I could share if I had more time. And so we just decided we're just going to kind of follow through. And so we started uh, last night, country music started on Good Friday. Good Friday is all about death and, and, and blood. And so it just felt right to do country music. And so, and it fit, right? And Tomorrow we're going to do gospel. We're going to talk about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We're going to celebrate Resurrection Sunday. Uh, today is, is rock night. Rock is, is dark. I remember when I was a kid, rock music was a no-no. It was a no-no until a, a band uh, named Petra came along. If you don't know who Petra is, consider yourself lucky, right? <laughs> Petra came along and Petra began to make rock music decent and put different lyrics to it. And, but rock music in my lifetime, always represented darkness, which I think is very fitting for Saturday, for Saturday. What's interesting is last night I said, I want to take you on, on a journey, just a quick journey. And I, want to, I wanted to go a little bit after the, the, the weekend of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. I said, I want to go about 60 days after that. I want to drop you into a story. We went there last night. I don't have a lot of time tonight. The story of the day of Pentecost. Day of Pentecost, uh, Jesus has died, come back, told the disciples, shown the disciples, said, hey, I'm going to go back to heaven. I'm going to send you the comfort of the Holy Spirit. He's going to fill you up. You're going to do the same things I've done. You're going to go change this world. You're going to tell everyone about, about me. They go and they wait in the upper room. The Bible says there's about 120 people in this upper room. And uh, they wait on the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes into that room, fills them up. They begin to speak in all different languages. And they're in Jerusalem. And so Jerusalem is packed with, with, with people celebrating a religious holiday. And they begin to go out in the streets, the same streets where they crucified Jesus, the same streets where, where, where now chaos is ensuing because they can't find his body. They don't know what to do. The religious leaders are freaking out. And the disciples who cowered 60 days earlier march out into the streets and they began to preach about Jesus. I read you a little portion of this sermon. Peter preaches it. Uh, and the Bible says, it says it like this in, in verse number 22 of Acts chapter 2. It says, fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through him as you yourselves know. We, we, we know this. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and for knowledge, and you with the help of wicked men. Now, by the way, those wicked men are listening. 
You, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to a cross. Verse number 24 says, But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Verse number 32 says, God raised Jesus to life. We are witnesses of this. We are witnesses. We, we, we saw this with our own eyes. Now, I want to go back and I want to show you, if you could bring that right back up for a second. Verse number 23. I want to, interesting, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. That's what it says in verse number 23. Verse number 24, what does it say? But God, everybody say what that, that says. But God raised him from the dead. Put him on the cross. God raised him from the dead. What about Saturday. Thank you, Peter. I'm trying to preach a Saturday message. What about Saturday? What happened on Saturday? I studied a lot for Easter, and there's a lot of theories about what Jesus went and did and what he accomplished on Saturday, and uh, it's, all, it's all kind of hearsay. Nobody really knows because the Bible says nothing about Saturday. All, all we know is after Jesus dies on the cross, uh, a rich man says, I want him to be placed in my tomb. And so they take his body off of the cross. They place him in a tomb. They wrap his body in cloth. They anoint his body. And then they drop a ton stone in front of it to protect the tomb. The next day is Saturday. Saturday, the religious leaders go, hey, we heard a rumor that they're going to try to get Jesus out of this grave because he told this whole story about how he was going to come back to life. So they went to Pilate, who was the guy who judged Jesus and sentenced him to death, and said, hey, can you station some Roman soldiers just in case the cowardice disciples decide to get some backbone now and come back, sneak into the tomb, steal his body, and hide his bones for 2,000 years? That's all we know. What they thought was going on is uh, they thought the disciples were in a room somewhere coming up with their plan. You're going to go left, Peter. John, you're going to go right. We're going to spin. We're going to wear all black. We're going to sneak around the rock. We're going to roll this couple ton stone out of the way. Peter, you're probably the strongest. You're a fisherman. John, you're definitely not strong. And so, right? And, so we're going to roll, and we're going to take his body. That's what they thought was going on. What was really happening is they were terrified. They, 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 they were terrified. They didn't understand what was going on. They went from the highest of highs on Palm Sunday to now one week later on Saturday, the, the lowest of, of lows. They were trying to celebrate the Sabbath, but, but they didn't really know what to celebrate. They didn't really know what was going on. What's weird is, is we, we understand Good Friday and we understand Easter and we understand Palm Sunday. And there's even people that celebrate Thursday. I don't know what they called it, but it was like Thirsty Thursday, something like that, right? right? <laughs> and so it was communion day. And so get your mound out of the gutters, right? And so, but, but, but Saturday, Saturday, there's nothing. Saturday may be referred to as silent Saturday. Silent Saturday. You see, Jesus is silent on Saturday. The women have anointed his body and placed it in Joseph's tomb. The body of Christ is mute as the stone is in front and it's guarded. He spoke a lot on Friday. You can go back and hear his words from the cross. He'll liberate the slaves of death on Sunday, but on Saturday, Jesus is silent. 
So was God. He made himself heard on Friday. He tore the curtains of the temple, opened the graves of the dead, rocked the earth, blocked the sun in the sky, sacrificed the son of heaven. Earth heard much of God on Friday. Nothing on Saturday. God got silent. You see, Easter weekend, the discussions tend to skip Saturday. In fact, the number one thing people do on Saturday is Easter egg hunts. We tend to gloss right over. Friday is good. Sunday, he's resurrected. What about, what about Saturday? God is silent on Saturday. You know what's interesting about silence? We don't do well with it. I remember when, uh, when I was a, a younger parent and uh, we were trying to teach our kids how to sit still in a restaurant. You know what I'm talking about? And that takes instruction. They don't just do that. And so... To not be loud, to realize that the entire restaurant doesn't care about hearing from them, to not throw things, to not make a scene. We've had to teach all three of our kids that, right? And how you teach them is you have to take them away from the restaurant where everybody's at to the bathroom to have a talk, right? And so, and uh, I remember when Harrison was, was, was little, we, we, we were trying to teach him, our third child, you got to sit still, you got you to gotta be quiet, you got to eat your food, you can't throw stuff. You, 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 nobody else in this restaurant thinks you're cute except for us. We have to, right? And so trying to teach them that. So we went through the same phase we did with the other two. And uh, every once in a while, you just had to pick him up out of the, out of the, 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 the high chair and, you know, or wherever he was sitting and just kind of walk with him to the bathroom to have a talk. And most of the time with Harrison, it just took a talk, right? And so, so you set him down and you put him in the, in, the, in the stall, close the door behind you, make sure nobody's listening, boy, right? And so and you just have a talk with him. <laughs> And I remember he started to figure this out. And I, 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 when I picked him up, I wanted to get to the bathroom as quick as possible. I don't want to make a scene, right? And so he started to figure it out. And so I used to pick him up at the end when he was starting to figure it out. I would pick him up and I would just quickly go to the bathroom, but I would not make eye contact with him. I would not talk to him. I would not stop because I didn't want anybody else to think I was going to, you know, abuse my kid, which I wasn't. And so, so I would just carry him really fast. And he knew where we were going and I was silent in the moment, right? And so he used to take my face and he used to pull it towards him, and he would say, Daddy, 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 and I'd be like this walking, Daddy, 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 and he was trying to get my attention in the moment, and I was trying because we don't do well with silence. We don't do well when God doesn't answer the prayers. We don't do well with unexpected outcomes. We don't do well when stuff doesn't turn out the exact way we thought it should turn out. We don't do well with unannounced sicknesses. We don't do well with when we can't get pregnant, when we want to get pregnant. We don't do well in those moments. We don't do well in our life when it feels like God is silent. So I started thinking about who would have maybe been there. Because I told you last night, and I took some liberties, right? I, I don't know who was in the upper room. We, we know the apostles were there, the disciples. But we don't know who the other 120 people were. We can find that out, out, out on the other side of eternity. But last night I said, I, in, my, in my understanding of Scripture and what, what I think happened, Barabbas had to be one of those people that was there saying, hey, he, he took my place. Barabbas was sharing the gospel message. Barabbas was gathering the other murderers around. Him. The other insurrection is saying, hey, 60 days ago, I had an experience with Jesus and he changed my life forever. Who better to share about the gospel of Jesus Christ than a murderer? I have to believe he was there. So I started doing some, some, some studying. 
Because we don't know what happened on Saturday, but we, we do know how the disciples felt. We do know what they were going through. We do know what they were thinking. We, we do know what they were struggling with. If you just go to Sunday before they actually knew, even though he was out of the tomb, that he was out of the tomb. In fact, I, I landed on this story that I've never, never preached on before at Easter Sunday. It's a story about a man named Cleopas. Cleopas. And so Cleopas is a disciple of Jesus, of Jesus Christ. And I just have to imagine, if the gospel is being preached to a large crowd of people, that like some of you, there's people in, in Jerusalem during Acts chapter 2 that have gone through some moments where they're disappointed, where God's been silent, where they haven't got what they wanted, when, they, when they, maybe some people would say stuff like this, like, I don't believe there's a God. How could there be a God and this happened to me? And how could I, how could I go through this? And how could this person leave me if there is a God? And I have to think that the gospel is preachable to people like that, amen? Like the gospel, because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, in the tomb, and through the resurrection, that the gospel is able to speak practically and applicably, applicably, blubbly, right? We're just going to keep going. We got to do this three more times, and so we're not going to stay there, right? He's going to go, right? It's able to reach those people. I should have just went with that word first, reach, right? And so reach those people wherever they're at. So I have to imagine that knowing what I know about Cleopas on this side of the story, that he was probably one of those people in the upper room. That he began to speak and say, I understand what you're talking about. I was there 60 days ago. I was in a moment where I felt like God had abandoned me. I didn't understand it. I didn't know what was going on. But I got to tell you about my experience. That's what a witness is. A witness is not somebody who's educated. A witness is somebody who's experienced. A world doesn't need educated Christians. A world needs people who have experienced the grace and mercy and hope of Jesus Christ. I've experienced this. So I want to read you his story tonight. In Luke chapter 24, now it's Sunday, but people still are struggling with this whole thing. We know what happens on Sunday, but a lot of them, they don't understand this. The Bible says in Luke chapter 24, now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. Now I'm going to come back to this story and explain to you some things. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. They, they, were, they were trying to figure this out. As they talked and discussed these signs with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. They're disciples. Now you would think that they would easily recognize Jesus because they were followers of Jesus. They knew of Jesus. They had watched Jesus. Here, here's the first thing God spoke to me. Sometimes in a silent season of your life, it's really difficult to see Jesus. In fact, in American Christianity, we'll just miss him. We'll miss him. Where, where's Jesus? I don't know where Jesus is at because I wouldn't go through that if Jesus was real, if Jesus was with me, if Jesus was around, if Jesus was an ever-present help in a time of, of need. I, I don't think he would be there. Jesus is walking with these two men, they know Jesus, but because they're in a season of silence, because they don't understand what's going on, they can't see Jesus. The Bible says they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still with their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? It's like one of those questions that you probably shouldn't ask Jesus. 
you the only one here that's dumb? Like, didn't you see what happened, right? <laughs> Later on, you'll realize you probably shouldn't have asked that, right? Like, if you would have known it was Jesus, you probably would have went a little bit more religious with the question, right? A little thuses and thou. Don't you, don't you know what has happened? Where were, you, where were you? Have you lived under a rock? Were you sleeping, right? What things Jesus says? He says about Jesus of Nazareth. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death. And he says, and they crucified him. They, they, they put him to death. We had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since this all took place. He's dead. We don't know what's going on. We don't know how to handle this. Can you relate to these moments in life? The moments where it feels like God is silent. The moments where it's hard to see how God is working in your, in your life. It's hard to see the goodness. It's hard. We sing about the light. It's hard to see light. It's hard to have hope. It's hard to live with expectations. Some of you, it's hard to smile. Isn't it? Isn't it good that the gospel is real enough it can handle those moments? Because sometimes you come to church or you might think about coming to church. I can't go to church. I don't smile, right? I'm not happy. I, 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 I'm not, I can't sing. I don't, I don't want to lift my hands. I'm, I'm going, my, my life is miserable. I haven't gotten anything that I thought I would get. I'm not where I thought that I would be. It feels like God is far from me. Saturday is about silence. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to remember three things today in the next season. Let's just, let's just, some of you aren't in Saturday silence. God is great right now. He's giving you everything you want. You're looking, you're like, I love my spouse. Look at them. I love them, right? I, I have the kids that I want. I have more kids than I thought I would have. I've been blessed, right? And I have the job and it's great. But I can promise you if you live long enough, you're going to go through some Saturday silence. You're going to go through some suffering. You're going to go through some moments where it feels like it's hard to, and difficult to see God. Here's a few things I want to encourage you to do tonight in your Saturday silence. If you're, if you're in that moment right now, first, first one, don't be dismayed. Don't be dismayed. I want, I want to give you the definition of dismayed. It's such a pastor thing to do, right? But, but it's such a good word. Dismayed means to cause to lose courage or resolution, right? Because you have expected or experienced something unexpected. To cause to learn, learn, lose courage or resolution because you have experienced something unexpected. You've faced something. So what a great word for these men. We're great. Jesus, palm tree, you know, palm branches. They're Hosanna, Hosanna. We're one of them. Like we're worshiping Jesus. We're, we're, we're walking into the temple. Jesus is doing what he's wanting. We're with Jesus, right? Like we, we, Jesus is incredible. And all of a sudden, a week has passed and everything has turned out unexpectedly. And I believe they were in a serious moment of dismay. And here's how I know that. Here's how I know that. You got to read the details of scripture. The Bible says on Sunday. Now, what you need to understand is on Saturday, you don't do nothing as a Jewish person. Nothing. Friday is preparation day. Saturday, you do nothing. How many of you are like, I would love that day, right? Nothing. It's all about focusing on Jesus and resting and celebrating and, 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 and eating, you know, food you don't even have to prepare. We're getting fast food on Saturday, right? And like, we're just chilling on, on Saturday. So listen, when Jesus died on Friday, Saturday was a day nobody could do anything. They just had to stay still. 
They had to stay in silence. What's interesting, though, Sunday, rooster crows, people wake up. They're in Jerusalem. The Bible tells us that when Jesus runs into them, right, on Sunday, they're headed back to where? To Emmaus, which is about seven miles away. Here's what's happening. They've come to Jerusalem to celebrate the arrival of Jesus, the expectation that Jesus is going to set up an earthly kingdom, and they are going to be part of ruling this kingdom with Jesus as one of his disciples. Now he's died on the cross. He's been placed in a tomb. The story's over, and they're going back to Emmaus, which is their old way of life. I thought that uh, Jerusalem, I thought that this was going to be the, but now, now because of what I've gone through, I'm giving up. I'm, I'm headed back. That's exactly what dismay looks like in, in, in our lives. We hoped, we thought, we, we, we were planning. That's what they say. We thought that he would be the one that would help redeem Israel. But now he's dead. I wonder how many times you've been in a situation like that. I wonder how many times you ran out of hope in Silent Saturday. I wonder how many people right now, you're, you're in dismay. You've, you've, you're facing something unexpected, and it's literally taking the wind out of your sails. And you are ready to bail. You're ready to go back to your old way of life. I found this happens a lot early on in your faith. Like you're not following the Lord. Then you start following him. And you're like, everything's great. And then like six days later, something comes into your life to try to knock you off course. That's Satan. He wants to take you back into his grip. You see, before you follow Jesus, you are no threat to Satan. And so he's cheering you all the way to hell. Go ahead. As soon as you begin to take steps away from Satan and you begin to pursue and follow Christ, Satan will be at your doorstep trying to wreck everything. They're in absolute dismay. I can't believe that I'm going through this. So I love in scripture what it says in Isaiah 41, because so many times uh, God's people face situations where they could be in dismay, dismay. And so God reminded his people, don't fear for I'm with you. Don't be dismayed for I'm your God. I'll strengthen you and help you. I'll uphold you with my righteous right hand. I love that because the right hand is a sign of authority. That's why the Bible says that Jesus ascended to heaven. And where does he sit? On the right hand of God. Sorry, lefties, right? Like, he, he's in a place of authority. When he says that I'll hold you up with my righteous right hand, what he's saying is, I'm in control of your life. Don't be dismayed. I know it's silent. I know it's difficult. I know you feel overwhelmed. But just because you're overwhelmed doesn't mean I'm overwhelmed. Just because you don't have all the answers doesn't mean I don't have it all figured out already. Just because you're disappointed in this moment doesn't mean I'm bad. When is the last time? I ask myself this question, and I ask people this question all the time. When is the last time that you gave God permission to disappoint you? God, you can disappoint me. Here's why. When you give God permission to disappoint you, you also give him the opportunity to exceed your expectations. When is the last time that you say, God, I trust you in silent Saturdays. I'm not going to be dismayed. Years ago, they did this, this, uh, this, this study on mice. And so if you're an animal person that loves mice, you know, earmuff this part of my sermon. Uh, but I don't like mice. And so at all. And so 
Uh, they did this study with mice, and they, what they did is they got two separate groups of mice, and they wanted to see what would happen if they dropped the two separate sets of mice into a pot of water, right? And the whole point was we want to see uh, how long they're able to swim when, they, when we give them a little, a little hope. When we give them a little hope. And so the scientists put the first group of mice in the water in this pot, and they put the timer on, and they let the mice swim around, and the mice started swimming around, and they couldn't get out, and they swam, and they swam, and they swam, and eventually they just, they gave up. They gave up. The next group of mice, they, they did the same thing. They put them in the same water, same setting, same height, put the timer on, put them on, start, let them swim for a while, and then every once in a while, the scientist's hands would come up, pick the, the mouse up, Hold, hold the mouse for a second, give him a chance to catch his breath, and they would put him back in the water. And the mice kept swimming. And then they would do it again a couple minutes later, pick him up, put him back in the water. And, and they noticed something. The mice that they gave breaks to, right, even, even when they gave them more time to swim, they never gave up because they never lost hope. They kept swimming. So I'm just telling you, something happens in, in your life when, when you establish biblical spiritual hope. I don't know what it's like. I don't know what situation you're in. I, I don't know what it feels like, I, but I can only relate to the disciples. Man, it's, 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 it's bad. It's Saturday. I don't know where God's at. I don't know what God has done, but in this situation in my life, I'm not going to be dismayed. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to turn back. I'm going to keep believing that God is good and he has a plan. Don't be, don't be dismayed. Number two, don't die there. Don't, don't die on Saturday. Don't, don't die on, on Saturday. Don't die on Saturday. What did they say? They said, but we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. What is more, though, he's been dead now for three days. This is the third day. Like, yeah, you'd be fine. If it was like Friday, he died, and then Saturday morning, he was back. Up. We were having breakfast together. It'd be cool. But all of Saturday has passed. All of Saturday has gone by, and he's still dead. Now, we know a lot about death now. Uh, maybe they didn't fully understand it, but there was a lot that happens in the first 12 hours, 24 hours of death. Do you know that? Maybe they realized that because Jewish people had, they had a lot of history with burial and they, 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 they wrapped with cloth and they anointed and they, they, they stuck close to death and they didn't live maybe as long of lives that we've lived and they went through a lot more suffering and they've seen a lot more pain based on the Romans. And so I have to imagine Cleopas was really, really understanding and he, under, he, he was really educated when it came to death. And so he knows, listen, when he says it's the third day, what he's saying is Jesus is in there and the situation's getting worse. It's getting worse. The first 12 hours, everything starts seizing up like an engine without oil. His body is developing rigor mortis and algor mortis and, and cell death and liver mortis. And don't be impressed. I'm just reading this. I have no idea what that means, right? It's bad. They call this the fresh stage of death. It's bad. 
But by the time that, that Jesus is meeting Cleopas, they're past the fresh stage of death, and they're in the early decomposition stage. What happens in the early decomposition stage is everything starts to shut off. Everything starts to swell. The body begins to look r- ridiculous, right? Stuff starts to stink. Like, he's, he's not just dead. He's dead, dead. Like, they're saying, listen, it's bad. Like, I think this is over, and I just want to encourage you. Not only should you not be dismayed, but don't die in your disappointment. Here's, here's what I think Cleopas would have said on the other side. He would have been talking to somebody about, about, about situations. Maybe they talked to him, yeah, Cleopas. And I can just imagine because I'm a pastor, and so I hear things from people's lives uh, that I'm like, I don't know what to tell you. Ever been there? Like, I'm going to pray for you, but I don't even have the words to pray. I don't know what to tell you about that. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to handle this. I don't know what to go. So I imagine some, some, somebody comes to Cleopas. He's speaking in tongues. He's talking about Jesus. Somebody comes to him and they say, hey, tell me about your story. Okay, well, let me, I, I, I was there when Jesus, you know, came back and I had this conversation with him. But let me take you back. I had this Saturday silence moment where I was completely devastated. And Sunday I was, I, I was dead, man. I was like gonna give, give up. And, and, and tell me about your story, man. I haven't been able to get pregnant we've been trying we can't get pregnant and we can't have that breakthrough and you meet some you know some single girl and i can't find a husband and and, and then he and some addict comes over like hey come over cleopas is saw jesus you come over yeah I, I can't break this addiction and i don't know where to turn i've tried everything man i tried every counselor i've tried natural things i can't get over this addiction i don't know how to i don't know how to get past this broken mindset that i have and here's what i think i think cleopas would have said i get it but sunday's coming Sunday's coming. I I get what you're going through. I understand what it feels like to watch a dream die. I understand what it feels like to think God is silent, to feel like he's far from you, to feel like he's over. But don't die there. Sunday is coming. Don't give up in this moment. Don't abandon ship. Don't be dismayed. Don't settle there. Never accept what God says to expect in your life. Never. I'm looking at my life. I'm figuring out the details. I don't know what's going on. I love, I love that Jesus tried to tell them in Mark chapter 9. He tried to tell them. You ever, I'm a preacher, and so sometimes I'm like, I tried to tell you six years ago in the Word. And then I feel bad, and I'm like, man, I didn't tell you, tell you clearly enough. And then I read Jesus, and I'm like, nah, it's you. It's not me, right? <laughs> I'm, not taking, I'm not taking the blame for you, right? And so, and like Jesus was with the disciples, and he tried to tell them over and over and over again. They still didn't listen. Listen to how clear it was. He said they left that place and passed through Galilee. Jesus didn't want anyone to know where they were. They're all by themselves. Because it was teaching his disciples. He was by himself with his disciples. No distractions. No needy people. No one to heal. Jesus and his disciples. Why? Because he wants them to know. He wants them to have the the answers to the test. He wants them to pass it when it happens. He says, the son of man, that's me, just so you guys know, is going to be delivered into the hands of men. That's the religious leaders. They're going to kill me. But on the third day, I'm coming back. And then it happens. They're like, oh my gosh. What's more? It's the third day. It's the third day. And so I'm just telling you, never accept. Some of you, you have something going on in your life and you've accepted death. And things have a funny way of coming back to life in the presence of Jesus. Right? Things, 
Things have a funny way of changing. Addictions have a, an amazing opportunity to break. Marriages have a higher likelihood of being put back together. Kids that you've been praying for for years that have wandered away from the Lord. In the presence of Jesus, he has an amazing way of somehow reaching them. Somehow healing people. Stuff comes back to life when you stop, stop, stop dying in your Saturday. Next time, just say, hey, Sunday's coming. Sunday's, so you're sitting by somebody, just elbow them and say, dude, Sunday's coming, man, smile. What's your need? Sunday, Sunday's coming. Y'all need a, I, need a, I, need a, I need a wife, a husband. Sunday's coming. It's going to be great. Easter Sunday's coming tomorrow. The people are going to be all dressed up, right? Sunday's coming. Let me just give you, let me give you one, more, one more thought, number, number three. I want to teach you something. Don't do what I would call disappointment declarations. It is really important. And so uh, the Bible says the tongue has the power of life and death. Do you know that? The tongue has the power of life and death, which doesn't bode well for most of us because we are professional complainers. We, we, are, we're, we're, we are absolutely, like we read stuff in Scripture, and the Bible's like really clearly, hey, if, if you want your life to be filled with life, speak life. If you want your life to be filled with, with death, speak death. What's death? Well, death is oftentimes classifying and defining what you see instead of what God says. That's it. That's death. You, you, you speak and you talk about what you see and you don't speak what God says. That's what, they're, that's what they're saying. In fact, my favorite part of the story is in Luke 24. The Bible says, in addition, in addition, right? Some of our women, um, they amazed us, he says. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us what they had seen in a vision of angels who said he was alive, right? Some women told us this, but we don't trust no women. That's what they said. We're not taking the word of a woman, right? That's basically what it said. By the way, this is one of the number one reasons that historians believe that the crucifixion, the burial, and the resurrection is accurate and truthful. Because if you were retelling a fake story, you would never say at that time that women would be the first people to see Jesus. No offense in America 2023, but that's truth. A dude is not giving credit to a female. No, no, no. I, I, I beat her. And we know that because John and Peter, who are both males, if you read the story, they give you the details. John does. We race to the tomb after them. But I want you to remember, 2,000 years later, I beat Peter in the race to get to the tomb. So something's never changed about men. So Cleopas says, he says, there some girls went to the things. Some are women, he says. Right? Our women went to the tomb and they said this, but we didn't believe them. And so some of our companions then, right, went back to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said. Duh. All the women were like, duh, right? <laughs> Ever been there as a wife? You're, I'll be like, yeah, I figured this out. My wife, like I told you that 16 years ago, right? <laughs> just listen to me, right? And so they say, then some of the, our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said. But they didn't see Jesus. And what do they do? They, they, they begin, because of what they're seeing, to define, define it with their words. I don't see Jesus. I don't see Jesus. Now, we know what had happened. 
He's gone. He's risen. Hey, Cleopas, he's with you right now, and you don't know it. You're going to figure, you read the story, a couple minutes later, he figures it out. He's like, oh, hey, Jesus, hey, forget what I said on the road back there. You want some fish? Let's eat together, Jesus. But in the situation, oftentimes, what do we do? We, 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 we look at what we're, we're dealing with, our Saturday silence, and we begin speak death. We begin to say what we, we see instead of what God, God says. And so I'm just going to encourage you. Some of you in a season of Saturday right now, and you've been defining what you're going through. You've been looking at it. This, this is awful. This sucks. Um, I'm, so, I'm so disappointed in this situation. This is never going to get better. I can't believe God let, let me down. Sunday's coming. I was reminded of that uh, this, 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 this weekend. So we had Friday last night, Good Friday. And uh, it, it, this whole thing wasn't here last year. Like it's just, it was just starting. These, these seats up here weren't here. And so, uh, and we went through this process over the last two years of, of expanding and building. And we have opened this kids wing up over, over on the other side. We had 185 kids at church last night. Isn't that crazy? That's a lot of kids, right? Before COVID, we didn't even have 185 kids at church on a Sunday morning in all of our campuses. 185 kids. Just, just to put it in perspective, just so I can brag on, on the Lord a little bit and our kids team. Uh, before we opened that kids wing uh, a few weeks ago, we had about 300 to 320, sometimes 330, depend on sicknesses and stuff like that, and whoever made babies that week and brought them. And so, 30. <laughs> Since we opened the kids' wing, we have never been below 400 kids. We've grown almost 100 kids in just a few, few weeks, All right? It's been absolutely incredible, also chaotic, and uh, we're going to make more room coming up. And so, uh, but I was reminded of this moments of my life because it's really cool, right? Like, this is, feels like Sunday, right? Like, oh, man, it's the promise of God, the resurrection. We have Good Friday, and we got, we got, we got Saturday night, Silent Saturday, and we're going to have the gospel, and we're going to have thousands of people here this weekend, and this is going to be an incredible moment. And God took me back about 10 years. We were uh, a new church, and we were in Limerick, and we started a campus in Phoenixville at the Colonial Theater. I started thinking about all the times that God has disappointed me in the last 15 years of my life. He's done it a lot. A lot. There's been a lot of Saturday moments. One very specific one that I was reminded of because of what's going on over here is uh, about 10 years ago, we were in Phoenixville. We just were starting our, our church. It was 2012, something like that. So maybe a little bit more than 10 years ago. And we had this campus and, and, and we were meeting at the Colonial Theater. And right down from the Colonial Theater, two doors down was this storefront. We're like, we should rent that out. We'll put Journey Kids in this storefront. People will see how much fun they're having and they'll come to church. So we spent all this time, raised money, did all this work, and uh, started with Journey Kids. And we saw momentum. Kids started coming. People were walking by. We're waving at kids, right? Come in, right? We have candy. And so, and like, we weren't doing that. But it, and, and no lie, no lie. Two weeks after we opened it, we show up on, on, a, on, a, on, a, on a Sunday morning, and there's big cease and desist stickers on the windows, right? And I'm like, what? We called the township up, we're like, what's going on? We let it go in here, what do these mean? You know, can we do this, ask for forgiveness later? They go, if you go in there, the cops are going to show up, we're going to shut you down, you're going to get fined. I said, what happened? He said, well, the landlord that owns the building never got permission for a daycare to be in there and have occupancy there. I'm, I'm a young man, I'm like, well, we're technically not a daycare, sir. We're a church of Jesus Christ and Sunday's coming, right? And so, <laughs> and they shut it down. We never got to go back in there. We lost it. 
a painting with the twist moved in there, used our stage we built, used all of our decorations, all this, all this stuff. I remember how disappointed that I was. Remember I told you, I said, you got to give God the chance to disappoint you so then he can exceed your expectations. Even felt like we went backwards then. Then uh, our next plan was, hey, we'll bring everybody to Phoenixville. So we're meeting in Limerick and Phoenixville. Everybody to Phoenixville. And, and we don't know where to put our kids. So we'll rent out Club 212. Some of you remember this. And we'll send our kids. So my kids, this is where they were taught about Jesus. We'll send our kids to a bar slash club that smells like alcohol and other things we can't talk about in church. And we'll teach them about Jesus. And they spent, and I remember I was so bad. I'm like, we had this. And now it's dead, and you're silent, and I'm ranting out a club that smells like urine. <laughs> and a few years later, this building popped on the, the radar for our church, and we came and we talked to them. I'm giving you just this details. We came and talked to the owner, and he said, here's how much it would cost. And here, here was the interesting thing. If we had been in the building that I wanted to be in downtown, which was a tiny little storefront, and been locked in that lease, if the, the owner wouldn't have been negligent, right? If it would have been locked in that lease, the price that the owner of the Franklin Commons gave us, we would have never been able to afford because we were locked in a five-year lease at the Bridge Street. If we would have stayed there, we would have missed out on this right here. And when we signed the lease and somebody else would have bought it. And all the things that are happening in this room and across the hall and everywhere else in this building would not have happened. Had not we allowed God to take us through a little Saturday silence. I'm telling you, there's somebody in this room and he's doing, you want to give up. You want to quit. You want to bail. You, you, you want to complain. You want to talk about how bad that your life is. You want to describe things that you're seeing and let them, instead of looking at your life and saying, no, this is what God says about my life. You need to remind yourself, it is Saturday and it is silent and it does suck and you do feel forgotten and it does look like everybody's getting ahead of you, but Sunday's coming. Yes. Sunday's coming. Yes. I'm going to begin to say, what God says. And so I, I just did this years ago, and I want to just give you a few to build your faith. And so uh, I think faith arises when you speak the truth of God over your life. The Bible says all God's promises are yes and amen. So some of you are worriers, right? We got professional worriers. You are literally worried right now that I'm talking about worry. <laughs> what does Jesus say in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6? Don't be anxious about anything. Don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. For the Gentiles seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. He upholds you what? With his righteous right hand. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So here, here's, what I, here's what I want you to say, and they're on your notes if you, if you want to say them with me. I just want you to say this. Bring that up for me. Can you bring that up? I don't worry about anything. What? Elbow your wife. Elbow your wife. Some of you, your wife, I just saw her move over a little bit because I said elbow. What do we do? We don't worry about anything. Instead, we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and trust that all my needs will be met. I'm going I'm to declare what, I, what God says, not what I see. First Peter says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. What does that mean? I humble myself before God and I trust that he will promote me at his right time. I cast all my worries, my fears, and my anxieties on him 
because I know he cares for me. Sunday's coming. Want to do one more? I just, I just love to proclaim. Like it, I, I, I used to call it naming and claiming, right? I don't know how biblical it is, right? But it is, it's saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak words of life in my, in my life and not death. I'm going to speak the words of God. Uh, Philippians 4 says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ. What does that mean? I'm not anxious about anything. See the theme? I'm not anxious about anything. Instead, I make my request known to God through prayer and thanksgiving, and the peace of God guards my heart and my mind in ways that I don't even understand. I get it. I get it. I get it Saturday. I get God is silent. I just want to remind you one more time. Sunday's coming. Sunday's coming. God has a plan. God hasn't forgotten you. The Bible says that God never sleeps nor slumbers. I want you to think about that. It's kind of freaky. That means you can sleep tonight. He never takes his eyes off of you. The Bible says that God's thoughts for you and for me outnumber the sand on the shore. The Bible says I'm not an accident. The Bible says I was placed on this earth for such a time as this. The Bible says I can trust God. I can lean on God. For my understanding. In all my ways, I'll acknowledge him. And he'll make my path straight. Listen, I know it's Saturday. I know it feels like he's quiet. One of my favorite passages, it says that he's an ever-present help in a time of need. He sticks closer than a brother. And he's here. He's here. Would you stand to your feet? Before you bow your heads and close your eyes, would you just look at your neighbor on your right? Your other right? I saw you. And just tell him, hey, Sunday's coming. Go ahead, tell him. There you go. Now look to your neighbor on your left. Look to your neighbor on your left. There you go. And just tell him again, hey, hey, you look like you're having a bad night. Sunday's coming. Go ahead, tell him, Sunday's coming. Or you can say, hey, you look good. You married, right? Sunday's coming. Now, did you bow your heads and close your eyes with me all over this house? I love the gospel. Think about all the people on this, this planet that don't know Jesus. Don't know the peace that I have. Don't know the grace that I've experienced. Don't know the hope that I have, haven't seen the goodness that I've seen, haven't watched God heal areas of my life that felt broken. And I just want them to know, I got no agenda for you. We're not trying to sign you up for our church. I go back to Acts chapter 2. They didn't even know what they were doing. They went from the lowest of lows to the highest of highs, and now they're filled with the Spirit. The Bible says they're filled with power, and they go out and they just start preaching. They don't have anything organized. They haven't started a committee and say, hey, we need more, more parking lot people. Our kids' department's really lacking. We need to do a better job of reaching out and building this pyramid scheme. They have none of that. 
They've just experienced Jesus Christ, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And they want to tell everyone. They're witnesses of his power. And I love it because they're just normal people. They've had normal problems. They've been through normal situations. They face normal obstacles. And they're reminding each other, Sunday's coming. Sunday's coming. Sunday's coming. There's so many people that I see and I meet that they think to themselves, man, if God was real, I wouldn't have gone through what, I, what I've gone through. I wouldn't have been through what I've been through. He wouldn't have forgotten me. He, he wouldn't have allowed me to go through this. He, 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 he can't be good because if, I, if he was good, I wouldn't have experienced this. And I just want to remind you that this world we live in is broken. That's why Jesus came. That's why we have ultimate hope. Number one, we have hope because we have our sins forgiven. Number two, because our sins are forgiven. And Jesus not only died, but was placed in the ground. And on the third day, on Sunday, he rose from the dead. We have the promise of eternity because Jesus defeated both death and the grave. He defeated hell. And I got no agenda for you tonight. Besides just wanting you to know that same Jesus. I want you to know he loves you. I want you to understand that his eyes are on you. That he's been knocking at the door of your heart. The Bible says, I read it to the church last night, that this is love. Not that we love God. I'm not here to tell you about how much I love God and brag about what I've done. The truth is that I'm a broken, idiotic Angry, prideful, arrogant, sometimes pompous, if you ask my wife. Barely passing college. Not qualified. Normal person that Jesus has changed. And he walks with me. That old song says he talks with me. He guides me. He leads me. He loves me. This is love. Not that I love God. That he loves me. That he laid down his life for me. That while I was still a sinner, that Jesus Christ came for me. He took my cross. He died the death that I should have died so that I could live a life that I could have never lived. And he's here. And the Bible says that he knocks at the doors of our hearts. He's done all the work. Your only job is to accept it. The Bible says all of us are sinners and fall short of the glory of God. It says the wages of sin is death and hell. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. For anyone who calls on him shall be saved. For if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, that you'll be adopted into the family of God. Grace, mercy, love, peace, power, healing, wholeness. Hey, for some of you, the Bible says where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. There's freedom. He's done it all. Your job is to respond.
So I want to lead you in a prayer tonight. The Lord is working in your life. Some of you, man, it's, this message has been for you. It's, it's Saturday in your life, and you feel encouraged and strength, and Sunday is coming. But, the, but listen, the saying is only powerful because of the Savior. The reason Sunday is powerful is because of what Jesus did on Sunday. The reason I can stand up here and with assurance tell you that you can be changed is because of what Jesus did on Sunday. You receive it. You believe it. You walk out with it. Jesus Christ, I need you to be my Lord and my Savior. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, you say, hey, Pastor, you're speaking to me right now, front to back, side to side, young, old, been in church for years. I found that some people go to church for years and still never know Jesus. Never been to church before in your life. And you're struggling right now. And faith is rising in your spirit and you are ready. You are ready to be done being in control of your own life because it doesn't work. And you are ready to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. The Bible says we together will repent and we'll confess together. We'll pray and we'll believe together. Prayer is simple. It's like talking to a friend. Jesus, I need you to come into my life right now. But I want you to remember this moment. I want you to remember this day. April 8th, 2023. That's the day. That's the day. That's the day, the message of Easter. Jesus Christ, change my life forever. That's the day I was brought back from the dead. That's the day I was lost and then found. That's the day I was restored. That's the day. God is knocking at the door of my heart. Today is my day. Nobody's looking around in this moment. It's just you and God. Today's my day. Jesus Christ, be my Lord and my Savior. If that's you all over this place, you say, hey, that's me. That's me. I need to know Jesus Christ. Come on, all over this house. Would you just begin to shoot your hand straight towards heaven and say, Jesus Christ, today is going to be my Lord and Savior. Come on, keep your hands up all over this place. Is there anybody else who say, Pastor, that's me? I see a hand right here. Another hand right here. Yes. Keep your hands up all over this place. Hands all the way up in the balcony right there. Another hand. Another hand. Yeah. few more hands all over this house. We're going to pray together. We're going to pray together all over this house. Whether you know Christ or you don't, we're a family. So repeat after me. Say, Jesus Christ, thank you for this night. Jesus, today I put my life in your hands. I believe in you. I know you died on the cross for my sins. You were placed in the grave. And on the third day, you rose in power. Because of that, tonight I'm a brand new person. I'm forgiven. I'm restored. I'm redeemed. And I'm set free. I leave this place with joy, unspeakable joy, and the peace that surpasses all understanding. Jesus, tonight I'm free indeed. In your name we pray. All over this house, would you shout amen? Amen, amen, amen. Thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day to listen to our podcast. If you decided to give your life to Jesus after hearing this message or want to learn more about how you can join us in person, visit jrny.church for more resources or to find a location near you. Have a great rest of your day.